0: Desire to worship together, it's because truly His presence is the one that brings us cheer. Well, Happy Mother's Day to all of you who are mothers. There are not many mothers in here this morning, but happy mothers to all of you who are out there. Why do we celebrate Mother's Day? Um, probably picturing in history uh, a young man who had been through, uh, let's say, a wayward son, right? You're picturing a wayward son who went through a lot of difficulties in life, but whose mother never gave up on him. And he came around and he became a good man. And one day he petitioned the president to let's have a day remembering mothers because my mother was so fine. That's not actually how Mother's Day came about, um, even though we could picture it easily that way. Actually, Mother's Day is attributed to Anne Marie Jarvis, as we know it. And she was not a wayward child. She was simply a social activist during the Civil War era. And so that's where we get our Mother's Day from. And for any of the cynical people out there who need some gas for their engines, there's another Mother's Day that people talk about, and that is in ancient Greece. The idea of paying tribute to motherhood was given expression with a regular festival that was tantamount to mother worship. This was formerly a ceremony to Cybele, who was a Greek mother of the gods, they had a day of worship for Seibel, and that was integrated with mother worship. So that's where Mother's Day um, started for some who are critical of whatever holiday you bring their way. Matthew 15, we're going to look at a mother in Scripture that challenged me tremendously. Um, I don't want to look at this day as a or this sermon as lessons for godly mothers, Because there would only be a few that would be truly listening. Um, And that would probably be the men, right? This is how you should be. But this is lessons from a godly mother, a faith-filled mother. Um, And that's for all of us to learn from. Matthew 15 is quite a chapter. The Pharisees had caught the disciples eating with unwashed hands. And that's a big deal. That is a really, really big deal. That was a sin according to their law. It was, they are now defiled, which we look at sin as defilement. (coughs) Excuse me. So that is a really big deal. They had set up some guidelines, and one of them was, you eat with unwashed hands, you'll defile yourself. And, you know, this is really annoying when people eat with unwashed hands, when people aren't being careful about cleaning themselves, and they considered it a sin. Matthew 15, I'm going to start reading at verse 8. Jesus responding to the Pharisees who were bringing this up, saying, your disciples are eating with unwashed hands. Verse 8, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And then Jesus called the multitude together, not just the Pharisees, not just the disciples, he calls everybody. And he says, hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, knowest thou not, or knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? You offended them. You wounded their feelings These Pharisees are wounded. They're offended. They're upset. Erwin Lutzer made this statement. We live in a wounded culture. A hyper-focus on how you have been mistreated. A hyper-focus on how others have wronged you. You've wounded the Pharisees. You know how easy it was to wound a Pharisee? You could simply do nothing and they'd be offended. You just have to show up. You might scratch your face and that's, that's offensive to me. You didn't wash your hands? Hey, the whole world's coming loose. <laughs> Irvin Luther says that's the time we're living in. A hyper offensive, uh, we call it the day of tolerance. We're actually the opposite of tolerance. People, offend us quickly. And Jesus said it would be this way in Matthew 24 describing the last days. One of the first things He said, and then many shall be offended. There's a lot of people walking around focusing on their wounds. Oh, you wounded me. This didn't feel good. We live in a wound-focused culture. Our frustration could stem from us trying to swallow a stinking, filthy, dirty camel. Our frustration could be from that. or But we put that frustration over on th- these little gnats are really irritating and offensive. You know, there's something about a gnat when we're playing ball up at Hayward is usually where I experience more gnats than anywhere else. How do you, how do you play ball with these annoying, irritating gnats bugging all around your head? And we strain at the gnats that are coming at us, and we're not realizing the problem probably comes from trying to digest a camel whole. More of what I'm involved in than it is what others are putting at me. Those little gnats. I've never met someone. I, I should. That's a fairly strong way to say it. But maybe we should say I don't remember meeting someone who is willing to admit they're offended by something. Very few times people were saying, you know, I'm offended. Um, I met a lot of people, including myself, who get frustrated at others, who aren't seeing something the way I see it. And that word literally, uh, offended, you've offended the Pharisees, literally means a displeasure. I, you displease me. all right? It, it offends me. This upsets me. We're very slow in admitting, especially as Christians, you know, I'm offended. I'm living as a wounded person. And there's a reason that we have known to not admit that we're offended, right? Because then it looks like we're not as spiritual as we try to be. This was the time that they were living in here. You offended the Pharisees. Jesus has something to say to them. Everything that goes into your mouth, that's not going to defile you. That which comes out of you. Can defile you. Verse 13. Jesus answered and said about this, you wounded the Pharisees, every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So the Pharisees were blind to their own needs, but they desired to lead others. Then answered Peter and said, declare unto us this parable. Jesus said, Are ye also without understanding? Do not ye understand that whatever entereth into the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Now, I like Peter's honesty. He says, Tell us this parable. What does this truly mean? What are you trying to say? Who is truly clean? Jesus says. And as Jesus is saying, who is truly clean? What he I believe he's pointing back and giving a literal example in his speech by saying, look, the Pharisees, most religious people of the day, cleanest people that you know, are actually the greediest people you know. And I'll probably just keep going. But, you know, some of the cleanest people that I know are actually the greediest people I know in a lot of ways. What's on the outside doesn't clean what's on the inside, Jesus says. It's the one who has a clean heart. And he tries to teach them it's not about that profession of cleanliness. And And we live in the time of professions. But it's not about the profession. It's not about the appearance. It's about do you truly have a clean heart? What is coming out of your heart? It's the one that has a clean heart. That's not going to be defiled on the inside. The one that's clean. There's a huge difference between ceremonialism and spirituality, Jesus is saying. Verse 19, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, theft, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. For they eat with unwashed hands, defileth not a man. Peter and his disciples feel like they understand But Jesus gives an object lesson. Now this object lesson is very similar to the object lesson Patrick gave last Sunday. He wanted to give them a visual so that they never forget. Verse 21, right after they have this conversation about what's clean, what's not clean, what's coming out of the heart. Verse 21, then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Now Tyre and Sidon was a place of the unwashed masses. You want to go where there's people unclean, tire and Sidon, you'll find plenty there. You would be saying in our terms, he's leaving Lancaster County and he's going over to Princess Street, York. Princess Street where you will see uh, trash all over the street. And if somebody approaches you on Princess Street, please don't look at them because you might not keep walking. Uh, a very offensive a very dirty culture. That's where He's headed. Tire inside. and siding. if you want to see any kind of a dealing, drug dealing, etc., etc., you'll find it on Princess Street in York. Jesus, after He says, what's clean, what's important in life is the clean heart, He walks from the cleanliness of Lancaster and walks to Princess Street, York. And behold, in that place... A certain woman, a woman of Canaan. This is a lady who was a descendant of one of the seven tribes who the Israelites drove out of Canaan. So this lady is obviously unclean in every aspect of the word. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. And he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, the disciples rebuked Jesus or said, Hey, didn't you realize you offended a Pharisee? And now we come to a lady who is not viewed as spiritual, as even clean. And they're saying, get rid of her. Just send her away. But Jesus said nothing. Then Jesus says to the distressed mother, right? Here's words of comfort. I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I would like to take just a minute out and interview that mother. How do you feel right now? Well, I feel neglected. I feel overlooked. I feel unappreciated. Not just underappreciated, totally unappreciated. I feel unheard. It's actually a type of abuse, right? She, She could literally say, I'm being abused by the disciples in our culture. She would say, I'm abused. If this is how you treat people as a church, as disciples of Jesus Christ, why am I here? Now, did the disciples ever say to Jesus, send the Pharisees away? Boy, you'd think, get in line to tell Jesus, send these no goods away. But no, these were the clean people. These were the people with status. These were the people with religion. Did Jesus ever ignore the Pharisees? This, I look at this account and say, what's going on? Only one time did Jesus ignore the Pharisees, and that's when he stooped to write in the ground. And then he stood and said, The one without sin cast the first stone. That's only the only time I ever see him ignoring the Pharisees. But here's this lady, and he's ignoring her. Do you know the Pharisees weren't spiritual enough to go past any hurt? They would take offense and destroy you with their mouth. They would corner you with their words. They would backbite you when you weren't there. And they would stone you or they would crucify you if they're offended by you. They were so quick to take offense. But not this lady with a clean heart. And that's exactly what Jesus was showing his disciples. It's not about what how you all got all cleaned up, how you got your nice clothes on. It's not about all the words that you say and not about all the professions that you make. What's coming out of your heart? This lady, this dear godly mother, didn't focus on her pain. She didn't focus on her neglect. She had one focus. She had a focus on her own need. She knew the answer to that one need. And she came, verse 25, she wasn't put off by the abuse, she wasn't put off by the push off. 25, then she came and she worshiped him and said, Lord, help me. Now surely Jesus would give in. Surely those, that's enough of a test for this dear godly mother. But he answered and said, it's not meet that we should take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Uh, the word literally means they're little puppies. Um, the little puppies under the table. Why did Jesus say that? In His wisdom, He knew exactly what Peter and John and James and all them guys were thinking. They were thinking, this lady is unclean. She's a dog. Uh, why are we wasting our time in Tyre and Sidon when there's people that are trying to do what's right, that we can help clean people, that we can help? Why did Jesus say this? He was saying exactly what they were thinking. And you know what Peter is thinking? I believe I can identify with Peter. That will send her away. That will get this annoying person away from us. Because Peter didn't know anybody who wouldn't be offended by all of this. Everybody Peter knew would say, well, that's it. You want to treat me like a dog? You, you wanna talk to me like I'm nothing? You wanna just ignore me? Well, I can give you the silent treatment too. I'm just as good as you are, right? And, no, I'm not offended. It's just, you know, I'm just trying to prove a point and just trying to, just trying to not look past your hurt. And recognizing, hey, I'm in need. And there's a place to fill my need here. No one Peter knew wouldn't have been offended at all of this. When they face this kind of treatment, there's something that rises up in them. Something that rises up inside of Peter. Something that rises up inside of a Pharisee. Something that rises up and literally it's rising up from the heart. It's something that desires vindication. Something that desires affirmation. And what that thing is that's rising up within us when we face abuse is evil thoughts you know what I'm going to do I'm going to get even murders you know maybe I'll just walk away from Jesus and the disciples but everybody's going to hear about this I'm going to kill them kill their reputation blasphemies soon it doesn't I don't even care what God thinks that rises up in people when they face offense, when they, when they look at their wounds and how others have wounded them. That rises up with them, within them. Mother, how do you feel? I look at this and say, you were prejudiced against. Jesus made some racially insensitive remarks here. And she didn't move away. She drove closer. Verse 27, And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And now Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. If you study the miracles that Jesus performed in Scripture, you will... Get the understanding that faith is more important than healing. Oh, how we want healing for our wounds. Now, there's people listening who have been wounded emotionally, wounded physically. I tell you, we all face a whole bunch of hurt. And it's so easy to cry out, Lord, heal me. Just heal these wounds, heal these hurts. God, I want healing. But Jesus said to the paralyzed, your faith has made you whole. And then He said, rise up and walk. He said to the man who was demon-possessed, sorry, his son was demon-possessed, He said, if you have faith, anything is possible. And the son was laying there a wreck. And to this woman, He said, great is your faith. Jesus is more concerned about our faith than our healing. You know, we get so, in our hyper-offensive perspective, we're more driven to find healing for our wounds than to find faith to live exactly how our Savior has commanded. Jesus cares more deeply about your faith than the healing of your wounds. I believe it's freeing to understand that. Rather than saying, Jesus, if you don't heal me, and we're offended that Jesus doesn't come running to heal our wounds, if we look at our healing as the greatest uh, ultimate that we're looking for, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be extremely disappointed, and this is why. I might be healed from that wound. However, we live in a broken world. And it's going to be, will it be a day or will it be a week that I'll have another wound? And then another wound and another wound. We we live in a broken, wounded world. And rather than taking offense, driving in the line, I am abused, I'm finished, I'm done with this, Jesus, I'm walking away. Rather than taking offense, we come and we find, God, teach me faith amidst these wounds of life. And you know what when somebody clings a hold of Jesus Christ when somebody finds the answer is truly in Jesus Christ you know the amazing part is there's healing for that wound and and nothing's changed they still have an abusive situation they're still facing things that are beyond what we can even describe but there's a healing in their heart and that healing didn't come just from an isolated Jesus touching them to heal their wounds that healing came when they came to faith and they seen Jesus working in their lives calling through their lives calling through the difficulties calling their name and when they come in faith they will truly find healing wounds will drive us to anger or to pity and both are equally destructive or they will drive us to believe and trust in something greater than ourselves they will cause us to rise up in faith. Jesus, I can't go anywhere else. You hold the words for faith on how I should live in the midst of these troubling times. So I believe this is very much an object lesson for the disciples. There are two people that Jesus ever spoke of a great faith. And none of them fit into this Jewish mold of clean and unclean. Uh, One was a Roman centurion. And one was a Canaanite mother. Those were the only two Jesus ever said, Great is your faith. Now the other, he says, Where is your faith? That's the disciples. Uh, to the Jewish people, they would come by night, they would come when they wouldn't be seen, they would they would be because they struggled with faith, even though they were very, very clean. The faith of the Canaanite mother What came out of her when everything was against her? I believe that's what Jesus was showing as an object lessons to His disciples. What, Look what comes out of this woman when everything's against her. When seemingly ignored, when told to go away, when seemingly prejudiced against, what came out of her heart, what rose out of her heart, Lord, help me. I just want to give a few observations from the Canaanite mother. How she demonstrated a few a true faith in the person of Jesus Christ. The first thing I see in the Canaanite mother, the first observation I would have is her humble courage. Her humble courage. That's an extremely, extremely rare combination. Um, extremely rare. I, I know people who are humble, but it seemingly don't have a lot of courage to face really things head on. I know a lot of people who are courageous. But they're not humble. They'll go home and they'll say, and then I told them, and then I, and then I, and then I. And maybe you're watching this and saying, yeah, I don't know many other humble, courageous people other than myself either. Well, you just missed the first half. You understand how a humble courage helped this lady overcome... Do you know what her neighbors thought of her? Do you know what the disciples thought of her? Um, even Jesus ignored her. But she had the courage to press through all of that. Because of her humility, it wasn't just, I'm going to prove a point. I'm going to be right. I'm going to get this. She had a humble Courage to overcome these obstacles. Um, How would I describe a humble courage? Number one, it's willing to be vulnerable. But it's also willing to live without the admiration of others. It takes courage to live without the admiration of others. But it's also willing to be vulnerable. How do you mix those two? I don't know. I guess I call it humble courage. One of the other people you know i i'm sure there's examples but i don't find any in the men sorry men i find them in the mothers of a humble courage uh, men we usually want to take the bull by the horn let's get this done let's and humility is somewhere out the back door or we humble ourselves so much we can't get anything accomplished right but another mother who i view as someone filled with humble courage was the mother of Jesus. Her name was Mary. Can you imagine the event when the, when the angel Gabriel came and talked to her and said, Mary, you're chosen to be the mother of the Savior. You know, it would take a lot of courage. She's going to be an outcast. She is a virgin with child. Now what? And, and it came to her right away, hey, how can this be? But you know, she accepted that with courage. But the the humility of Mary is beyond what I've embraced in my life. You know, after the angel was finishing up, you know what Mary said? I thought you'd come. I figured it would be me. As I looked around, I didn't know anybody else who would fit the bill. I think you chose the right person. You know, there's... I, I can tell you how my cousins, you know, they're just a little. You no, know, she simply said this: "Behold, the handmaid of the Lord." I'm still in the same position. I'm just a handmaid. Don't call me mother of the Lord. Don't call me uh, some famous name. I'm I'm just the handmaid. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. I see humility and I see courage. Wrapped up in the mother named Mary, and I see it as well in this lady, the Canaanite mother. I believe a true faith in the person of Jesus Christ recognizes there's absolutely no other place where I or my need will be met. And the second way it was observed in how this Canaanite mother demonstrated a true faith is the way and how she prayed. You know, I don't know how you persevere or pray or call out on God. How's your prayer life when you're facing silence? That silence drove her toward her Master, not away from her Master. When facing adversity, it drove her toward the Master, not away from the Master. And that sounds really good on paper, um, but there's also not many people who serve God that way. When they're facing silence, there's usually frustration. God, why aren't You hearing me? Why isn't this changed? And why... From her mouth wasn't resentment. God, why? How could a disciple of Yours treat me this way? Because her heart wasn't defiled. Her heart came a cry of brokenness. She knew the answer was Jesus. So she was going nowhere else. We live in an extremely broken world. A broken world because of sin. You know, I believe first of all, we need to cry out like this godly mother did. A cry of brokenness for our need. Our desperate need but then also cry of brokenness for the needs of the world around us. The prayer of this mother. I see the posture of prayer. Um, in Mark 7, it says the same account. And it says that she cast herself at his feet. Lord, help me. I, I'm i not sure through this time of corona epidemic, uh, are we truly a people of prayer? Do we truly feel like our only source to fulfill our life, to fulfill our need, is Jesus Christ? How's that demonstrated in prayer? There's a desperation, not an attitude of, well, it'll all work out. You know, just keep your chins up if you're chubby like me, or keep one chin up, however many you got, but keep your chins up, it's all going to work out. Or is there a confidence? In Jesus Christ, that says, nothing's going to work out unless you touch our lives today. There's a desperation. So when adversity comes, what comes out of our life? That's what truly tells us, are we defiled? Or are we truly living in surrender to Jesus, cleaning our lives and making us His vessel? The third observation, how I view this godly mother is how she persevered. This, Like I said, this mother had many reasons to leave. Many reasons to be offended. But she only had one reason to stay. And she stayed. Because of our wounded cultural perspective, relationships today are extremely, extremely fickle. And we can look at the young people and say, yeah, they are extremely fickle. And you know, they... One day they're friends and one day they're enemies and one day they're friends with somebody else and then a week later. But then I ask you to persevere, to see it through, to not be offended. I tell you, in in churches today, there is so much strife going on in Mennonite churches and conservative churches and even liberal churches. There is so much strife. Nobody's offended, but everybody's disgusted at somebody else. That word is offended. Because, well, they weren't heard. Uh, Well, they did hear me, but... And we have our line. This lady saw past all of that and saw her need, her daughter's need, humankind's true need. We need the touch of Jesus. Can we look beyond our... Petty offenses, the gnats in our eyes. And there's gnats in every church. There's always something that will bug you and irritate you. Can you look beyond the gnat and recognize when you're swallowing a stinking, rotten, filthy camel? And I I see that picture of Jesus when he, in Matthew, sorry, yeah, later on in Matthew, I believe it was 24 where he talks about you strain at a gnat, Pharisee, you swallow a camel. I, I look at them as a hyper-offensive-taking people. The Pharisees became a people so consumed by their own perspective, they were offended over a gnat. In reality, the little things that really irritated them. It's easy to become a people like that, who are extremely irritated at others' gnats. While excusing our swallowing of things that are absolutely like, what are you up to? What are you trying? A humble courage. She prayed, she persevered through the seeming difficulty. You know, I don't know what gnats we're going to be facing, I don't know what things annoy you. Um, But can we take a lesson from this godly mother? She had the touch of God. It didn't come just at the instant where she wanted it, but she had to show her faith. Lord, I'm here. And You're the only one that can meet my need. The gnats of neglect, the gnats of, gnats of prejudice, were no match for a worshiper of Jesus with a mission. And so as we close this service, You know, there's few people who can humble themselves and say, you know, I'm an easily offended person. I get annoyed really easily. I get irritated really easily. And the reason I bring that up is, if we're willing to recognize that, then we will see and recognize, I recognize what's coming out of me when I'm irritated. Uh, The wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. No matter how much we clean our hands, no matter what uh, spirituality things that we can do to show that we're clean, the wrath of man can't work the righteousness of God. When we are irritated, we're taking offense at things, and it's not going to go well for us. Let's truly be a people like this godly Canaanite mother who looked beyond the struggles, looked beyond the gnats of prejudice, of being ignored, and seeing the one who truly could meet her need in the day that she lived. And as well in the day as we live, I trust that we can see that as well. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for the example of godly mothers. Lord, for the godly mothers that are in our congregation and that have blessed our lives in so many ways.